This is BC Spritch, your look at the province's burgeoning distilling culture. What has happened in BC Spirits? Welcome to another episode of the BC Spirits Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Sean Sewell. Uh, this week, I did a really big grind over Whiskey Fest and uh, interviewed about eight different people. A couple of people for BC Spirits, a couple of people for um, the Post Shift Podcast, but I did about eight podcasts in the space of like 24 hours. So it was, it was exhausting, uh, a couple of 24 hours, but I capitalized on having all these wonderful people in, in town for uh, this event. So um, obviously this week, uh, I've started really ramping up the BC Spirits Podcast having individual distiller interviews every single week as well now so this one is no different it is with grant steve lee from uh, douglas distillery in oliver he makes the noteworthy gins along with a few other things and makes some fantastic whiskies which i'll be showcasing on the tasting show fairly very shortly uh and doing a bit of a review on his whiskies some great names i'll he, he explains a little bit on the audio so uh keep keep an eye out for the the review on that one but i really hope you enjoy this episode guys thanks so much for the uh support hope to hear from you soon uh there's a big couple of months coming up so you're gonna hear from me tons and tons about bc spirits so have a good week guys bye so we got some samples for you. Sweet. But, you, I mean, you know what that is. Of course. Um, you know what that is. It's, I love this one. Uh, yeah, it's done really well for us, actually. Um, better than expected. Yeah? Because I thought this would be for the cocktail guys. Yeah, the Navy Strength. Because they love layering yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And so when somebody comes into the distillery and they're like, I don't like gin. So we give them this and they're like, oh, that's good. And then they leave with this. <laughs> Which is just a really strange... And you don't change thing. anything between the, the regular Noteworthy and the barrel. The difference is, and I I think when you were at uh, Fraser Valley, yeah. you may have seen me do it. I think I, I did it. Like, if you take this and you add water, because we're so botanically rich, it looshes. Yeah. It just goes cloudy. So we can't put a cloudy product in the yeah. bottle, so we do a slight chill filtration on this, which is not really a true chill filtration. I mean, we bring it down to 12 degrees Celsius and then run through the filter. So that this remains clear on the shelf, yep. but if you put this in the freezer, it'll cloud up. It'll cloud slightly, not as dramatic as this. So, But yeah, this is, in, and I've even said to other distillers, why are you not just putting out a Navy strength gin? Is it tax? Because it's not taxes for you guys, really, is it? it? Well, that's why they've increased the price. Yeah. So this guy, and I... I saw I, that uh, Spinnaker's just put out their Navy Strength gin. Oh, really? Yeah. They only just released their gin maybe a month and a half, two months ago. Oh, I had And I've had Dry January, so I haven't even really ta- like delved into that one. Yeah. But yeah, they just released their Navy Strength, too. Your nose is going to be... Epic. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know why people aren't uh, putting... And, and I get it. I think it's, you know, it's perceived as a niche. Like, mm. And we have consumers that come in. They go, 57%. <laughs> really? Oh, my... No, I don't... And I was like... What you don't understand is alcohol is a solvent. We're just dissolving more flavor. So yeah. when you make your cocktail... Just, just use a half an ounce. Yeah, it's punching it out. Now you're getting more flavor yeah. and, in the end, less alcohol than this. Yeah. So I'm actually downselling the consumer, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. Perfect. But it's on it's on flavor. So when you explain it to them, and they have to be savvy. Like yeah. if, if you've got a uh, guy who shows up in, in checker plaid, <laughs> like you're, he's, he's not making half ounce cocktails. Well, that's the, that's the funny thing I, I've been delving more into since being in Singapore for all that time just about like where we all stand in our little niches and how my attitudes definitely changed in the way that in our little social media bubble I think that's really where it really comes from is like we're always bombarded with everything that we look at because it's all consumer facing so it's everything we want to see 
And so we get into this, especially cocktail bartenders, I feel like get into this like high of like, we're changing the world. I'm like, well, go to a liquor store for half an hour and see what people are really buying. Like you want a humbling experience? Go see that people are still like, and for me, I laugh because I'm like, I've dedicated over a decade of my life, a hundred hours a week to creating this cocktail culture in Victoria, but I still go down to Vessel and watch people walk out with a freaking thing of Labatt's and, and a Mickey of Alberta Pure. And I'm like, nothing I've done in like 10 years has made a great grand macro difference. Yeah. Like in, in our little 10%, I think Victoria's great because I think we've got a good saturation of people who get it um, in a big way, more than most cities I've traveled to. Sure. Um, but even then, like you're still only talking about 10,000 people who get what you do, like you do a, a book signing or a this or a that, people are going to clamor for it. But um, are you recording this? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh okay. <laughs> well, I start. I was like, well, you got some good sound bites, so yeah. <laughs> well, I start recording just because it just flows really nicely. Yeah, I was always love that it flows real nice, and then it's not junky and like right. clunky. So um, usually, just start by introducing yourself. Now that we've been talking for like three and a half, six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve Lee. <clears throat> And you, we're, we're, uh, we're now a uh, well, we're an award-winning gin distillery that makes whiskey. Now, <laughs> that's what that was. Now we have award-winning whiskey too, thanks to the whiskey awards. Last and what uh, what distillery do you own? Run? Um, well, we're running Douglas Distillery. Yeah, in the heart of the Okanagan, um, which is quickly becoming a craft distilling region. It really is. Yeah, you guys don't. Oh, what the hell? You son of a bitch. All right, it's still going. There you go. <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit that out. <laughs> um, um, so you're in Oliver, right? We're in Oliver. Yeah. yeah, we're just outside of Oliver. We're right on Highway 97. So in a little area called Gallagher Lake. So oh, okay, but most people have never heard of Gallagher Lake. <laughs> I didn't even heard of Oliver before we moved there. Actually, really? And how yeah. long's the distillery going for now? We we've been distilling for over five years now, but we opened April 2015. So we've been open like a little over four years, four and a half years. And the the ultimate goal when you first started was to be a whiskey distillery, correct? Yeah, to make whiskey. Yeah. yeah, and then the gin just happened to be really good and become popular. I never liked gin, really. Before we started the distillery, seriously, I never liked gin. I, I and I've used some choice words to describe gin, but I knew that we needed to make a product. To sell, much like every craft distillery, yeah. but I didn't want to sell vodka because vodka is not creative; it's science. Yeah. So, yeah, and I looked at the spirits we could produce, and I was like, "Well, let's." I actually tried uh, a gin, and I was like, well, "That's good," but I don't like gin. Well, this is strange. Now I'm going through a dilemma of a category that I shunned, and then I started to try some other gins, and I was like, "Well, gin is very different. We can be different too." We could be creative. And then I was like, yeah, let's let's go with the gin. I actually, when we first came out with uh, the New Western Dry, I actually didn't think a lot of people would like it. Really? Yeah, because I thought we were too different. We're not a traditional gin. Mm-hmm. I think if I was a traditional gin drinker, we would have made a traditional gin. Yeah. I, I don't think we make the best martini. I think we're great for cocktails. Okay. I think the London Dry is a better gin. We have people come into the distillery and say, this makes fabulous martinis. And I was like, that's great. <laughs> like, I just don't think we do. You guys wrote about it, or you wrote about us early on. Yeah. Actually, I think it maybe even before we even opened the distillery. We seeded a little bit yeah. out. and Yeah, and I think I was still at Olo, so that would have been like uh, mid-2005. Uh, 2015. 
Yeah, 2015. Yep. So, yeah, you wrote about us, and then we got a little bit of, thank you, <laughs> we got a little bit of exposure, because we were like, we hadn't even opened our doors. And yeah. people were like, oh, you have gin out now? And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have gin. So what's your, uh, what's the Steve Lee number one? What's your origin story? Like, where did, where did you come from, and why did you decide to do a distillery in Oliver, that, a, a town that ship that you didn't even know existed? Well, I worked for a ski resort for 18 years. I used to distill in my bathroom in Staphicon, like in my shower, my tile shower. So uh, I worked for the resort. I wanted to change. I wanted to build my own business. And whiskey was the focus. And warm climate matured whiskeys Mm -hmm. were getting... I don't use the word accelerated maturation anymore. I use richer maturation because you can't accelerate time. So we get richer maturation from being in the hot, dry environment, yeah. if you think it. Um, whiskeys like Amroot or Cavalan or some mm-hmm. stuff out of Australia. Um, it's like, why are they winning awards? Excuse me. In blind tastings in a short period of time. Yeah. And we know those whiskeys are three to five years old. Yeah. Well, what's happening? So... That's why I packed up and moved to the warmest climate I could. Really? Yeah, it's not a coincidence. I'm in Okanagan. So it was. Li- it was literally. And what, which ski resorts were you working at? In I worked in, in Banff. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. But you're not Australian. What's that? So you're Australian. I know. I'm not Australian. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's loaded with Australians. Yeah. Uh, I have tons of Australian friends actually. So. And so you moved to Oliver. And start the story in 2015. What sort of... Because uh, uh, this is like... Uh, I think a lot of younger distillers and craft cocktail guys and stuff like that, they don't understand like our cocktail, our craft scene is still very, very young. Like mm-hmm. extremely young. Like the, you got the Okanagan Spirits and I think Charles at Longtable is a little bit older now and a few other guys. Like you've got some older distilleries out there. Yeah. But really the, the mass explosion happened around the time that you opened. So what yeah. sort of drove you outside of like, oh, I've been making whiskey in my bathtub at, at Staffacom mm-hmm. yeah. to, uh, to like seeing it as an actual viable thing? Because the, the, really in 2015, like the, the, the bottom of it could have all fallen out. Due oh, to legislation yeah. and like cost of um, cost of setup and that, because the bottom could have just all fallen out of it and everything could have gone horrible. Yeah, and it still can. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. It still can. So I mean, you take the risk. I think you know when I first started out, I did lots of research. I got a little bit more advanced education. I looked at distilleries like Okanagan Spirits at that time when they just had their Vernon location. Guys like Yorg at Maple Leaf Spirits, who's amazing and is, is a great distiller. And I even talked about it, you know, I was like, man, I'm still worried about the cuts. You know, distilling at home is very different than yeah. a commercial still. Like, the principles are the same. But, and Yorg was, uh, he's like, oh, no, it's easy. Come back, and, come back in a couple of hours and I'll show you our cuts. And he laid out the glasses really? for me. Yeah, oh, he's been I, his, I love those two. They've Yorg been amazing. They're just the nicest people in the world. Yeah. Yeah, and he wants to see the industry grow. Yeah. So, you see, like, a receptive industry and the potential. Everybody wants to get into a market because they see the future mm-hmm. in it, whether it's you're buying stocks, or you're buying real estate, or you're getting into a relationship. Yep. You see the future. So I think for me, it was like, well, where do we see the future? And we're, when I build the business plan, we're reflective of the states. Yeah. So... You know, we're just a mirror image of them. And you could see that what was happening in the States, we had a future. Mm-hmm. So that's why I got into it, knowing that there was a future. And I think there's still changes. Like, you know, the industry is still struggling in a lot of aspects. Mm-hmm. But I think change will come if we take a look at the wine industry. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you know, it struggled when it first started. Now it's just blossomed. The yeah. beer industry. That's yeah. mental. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy right now. I chat to Tyler a lot. I, I'm talking to Tyler on a weekly basis just about like raising caps and all this sort of stuff. And uh, I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand is like the caps are really detrimental in a big way. Like Sheringham capped out this year, yeah. which it's always been Okanagan Spirits. Okanagan Spirits is always capped out. It's just they're yeah. big, they're old, that's the way it is. Um, but when you start seeing the littler guys that have only been around for like five years capping out, then you really have to start questioning the legalities behind it all. Well, and then I think there's a, there's a, the question is a balance as the whole industry grows. Do you want to raise the cap? Because now we're bigger. Yeah. But this is why we got into the industry because we wanted to be small, but now we want to push that to be bigger. But maybe we want all those small cottage industries and we don't want to raise the cap because it's a graduated Mm -hmm. scale. And we, you know, if you've breached that cap, maybe, You've made that decision that you're going to be bigger, mm-hmm. and it's okay to pay a little bit more. Um, whereas I like the small cottage industry. Yeah. Oh, so. I think this is a spot for both, but I think I think there's a, a space for both in the market. But I think when uh, Sheringham wins like contemporary world's best contemporary gin, yeah. you oh, know, like, and that? all of a sudden everybody from in Vietnam and Asia are like, "Can we get your gin?" And you're like, "Okay, I'll, I can send you a pallet, but that's pretty much it from us this year." Um, it's great for the industry, and I sat down with Peter the other day from Victoria Distillers and I had a good long chat with him just about how commercial distillers have changed like the way people look at it as well and I hate the word commercial like a lot like a lot a lot yeah yeah I understand yeah and that's what they were 10 years ago 12 years ago when they started that was the way it was um but I think there's a spot for everybody. Like, I, I love seeing Jorg and Annette, and all of a sudden, everybody's on their lady of the cask. I'm like, yeah. that's been out for, like, five years, and no one's talked about it. And then all of a sudden, like, that. Jorg should release that at yeah. cask strength. Yes. Yeah. And then I found it, and I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And then I started talking about it, and I think I wrote a couple of articles and posted pictures about it. And all of a sudden, everybody's, like, alchemists is talking to me about it and going, oh, have you tasted this lady of the cask? I'm like, yes, two it's years a great ago. Product. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. And it can't be replicated. Yeah. It can't be replicated. He's got more in the barrels. Jorg's he got has, all yeah. these treasures yeah I think it's going to be I'm looking forward to seeing what they've got and it was just a random one too like a they've got prune brandy and all this like really obscure little like German style Ordovese and then this random fantastic brandy yeah yeah I mean I remember tasting the brandy out of the cask for the first time oh. and I was like this is fantastic yeah I should get the cask strength it has to Jorg if you listen to this we want cask strength for your for your brandy we're gonna do a petition yeah yeah petition absolutely. for petition for either Fraser Valley or BC Distilled to have like at least a sample of cask strength oh, Lady of the Cask fantastic I'm dropping an email after this actually yeah. so so fast forward, um, when did you, did you start laying whiskey down from the get-go? We did. Yeah, we started, I mean, we were distilling in uh, December 2014. Not a huge amount of product, but uh, we started, um, I wanted to see how things were going to age mm-hmm. as we were going along. So we had lots of experimental kind of casks that we did. Um, to see how our environment was going to interact with the wood and the spirit and where we were and going. And are you doing double casks when you're doing your experimental, like keeping them in something traditional and then finishing them in these experimental casks? I've seen a couple of your experimental casks, which we'll talk about, but yeah. do you sort of start them in like traditional like American bourbon or... Absolutely. And then finish them often. I think you've got one of the Sons of Vancouver Amaretto cars. Yeah, I got a sample for you. So, yeah, it's called the Godfather. Uh, after the Godfather cocktail, cocktail of course. Makes, makes sense. Um, yeah, so certainly traditional is yep. the way. And you're going to find a lot of things are a little more traditional with me than maybe some other distilleries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, 
one of those phrases actually I was just mentioning this last night um, John Hall said it best from Forty Creek yeah. he said you can respect tradition but you don't have to be bound by it so by respecting tradition we start out all our whiskey and ex-bourbon yeah um, nothing is spent anything other than ex-bourbon right now so that's traditional um, the 200 liter standard barrel sizing yep. if we can and you see a lot of craft distillers using smaller oak barrels if we can increase the surface area spirit to wood ratio to create that richer maturation plus our climate mm -hmm. to get a better product in a short period of time why wouldn't we do that? But bourbon barrels don't exist smaller than yeah. 200 liters in size. So what I did was I had some barrels taken apart and recoupered to half the size, nice. to 100 liters. And we increased not only the surface area, but increased the surface area to properly seasoned wood, mm -hmm. which single malt handles properly seasoned mm -hmm. wood much, much better. So... And how have the experiments for that going? Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. I actually believe that some of our best whiskey will come out of our next fill out of those. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just so it sort of balances off that ex-bourbon sort of feel with some more of your... It's just a real rich flavor profile. And anything smaller than 100 liters, which we've done um, some of the smaller barrels, mm -hmm. much like that, it's too much in the Okanagan. Yeah. It can get over-oaked. You can overage a product in that short period of time. So how hot does it get in Oliver? Just for people's reference, because I think people who look at Canada and like... I know of from my wine knowledge, like deep south of Okanagan is like desert. Yes, like, desert. We got rattlesnakes <laughs> and cactus and scorpions. Like, and how hot does it get during summer? Um, we're we're in the thirties mm. almost all the time. Our grand opening weekend in June 2015, we had a lot of friends come yeah. over from Banff and Calgary and the Bow Valley, and it was 42 degrees that day. Jesus, it was one of the two hottest days of the summer. And how do you and what sort of like length of time does that heat hang around for the year? Like, do you have progressive or is it sort of like? sit between like that 30 and 40 25 to 35 sort of all year long except for of course this time of year yeah I mean like, we're, we're in the high 20s I yeah. think for the good majority of the summer so you've got um, some good solid heat there oh yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and yeah, then just amazing. like three months of like solid snow and crap well, we just had the biggest, I left in like the biggest snowstorm, you know, guys were saying for 20 years. Oh, really? Uh, there was like 20 centimeters of snow when we left. And and I think people underestimate the the nature of wood when it, like everybody goes, oh, expansion and heat's great. But when it retracts as well, it's good for the whiskey as well. Absolutely. Like, in yeah, and out is the best breathing. thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. So uh, when did you release your very first whiskey? June. Third weekend in June. Third the, Friday in 2019. June. Uh, yeah. So you had about four years on it? Five years on it? Four? Yeah, yeah. We had three plus years. We had some that was four. Some of it went into blend. Some is sitting actually in other barrels being vatted right now. So, And so uh, what have you released so far? Uh, we've released like a dozen whiskeys. Yeah, I've noticed that. Like it went literally from zero to 60. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and we've been we've been really full. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some whiskeys here. Um so the Godfather, of course, uh, with my friends at Sons of Vancouver, they give us uh, a previously used amaretto barrel. Yeah. So uh, James and Richard, like, hey, do you want to? I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> so, and the unique thing is, you know, this was a smaller barrel, and it really demonstrated to me that the the smaller barrels in the Okanagan mm -hmm. certainly. I mean, you take a look at uh, Divine; they've done an amazing job mm -hmm. of managing small barrels. Yeah. Like, it's it's hard for a distiller. Ken's has done a fantastic. Job. Is it because it goes zero to sixty too quickly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and those swings like you got to catch it at the right time. Yeah. And 
I'm busy. He's a hardcore nerd too. Like he literally lives in that distillery. Oh yeah. Like, well, <laughs> and it shows it's reflective. Yeah. You know, they won a, a big award last night at the whiskey awards. Mm-hmm. You know, it's earned. It, you know, they didn't, they didn't stumble upon that by accident. Yeah. I've got a project with them right now too. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's, and it's all barrel management for that too. And that's, they're going to kill it for that one. It's, it's key and it's unique. Like I, uh, we're getting this kind of regional thing. Like I think we'll see some stuff from the Island, mm-hmm. from the coast and from the interior based on, uh, environmental aging. You know, do you show. think? Do you think that BC, as we continue in our whiskey um, sort of range, is going to start leading leaning into a terroir sort of driven, a la like Scotland style? Yeah, I mean those those lines are really getting blurred in Scotland yeah. now because everybody's true. like you know, a Highland peated. Everybody's got peated whiskey a, now. A non a non peated uh, Isla or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're strange. It's like what? That doesn't make any sense. So I get all the flavor of an Isla except for the smoke. Yeah, and it doesn't come from Isla. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's. I think we'll see some regions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're going to be as defined. I find mm-hmm. each house has like I think for me Shelter Point. Well, I'm sitting down with Jacob very next, but like yeah. Shelter Point, and I haven't tasted enough of your whiskey, but Shelter Point has a. If you taste their classic artisanal, has a like it's a Shelter Point flavor, and then you oh, get absolutely. that flavor through all the other whiskeys. Absolutely, they, and you're going to find out with yeah, it comes through. And I think the house style is definitely going to be a. A telltale for like blind tasting, absolutely. And same with ours. With our yeah. base spirit, you're going to be able you're going to be able to ta- um, tell these ones aren't base. This one isn't base spirit. I apologize. This must this must have uh, to be the only Scotch whiskey aged in amaretto barrels. So we had to blend it. We blended oh, really? it down with another ex bourbon barrel to kind of balance out the sweetness because the sweetness was just a little bit too rich. Oh really? In that small barrel, it was really good, uh, especially at castering. Yeah. But it was too oaky. Yeah. So we're gonna refill that barrel as well. Oh, okay. And, and just. Uh, dull down that sweetness just a little bit because I don't want to be a flavored whiskey we want to be complimentary so yeah you're gonna you're gonna love that that's a fantastic whiskey actually James and Richard haven't even tried theirs well James they did their uh, peated peated barrel aged amaretto I haven't tried that I was like this is gonna be weird like smoke sweet amaretto I was just like this is just gonna be weird then I taste I'm like tastes like a small like that's pretty much what it is literally like I want to just use this in a small cocktail, like hard. If you like, uh, <laughs> if you like smoke like heat, yeah, and s'mores, it's, it's, yeah, it's going to be, be awesome. Yeah. yeah, but it's like campfire smoke and s'mores. Yeah, and we have some other stuff we're doing with uh, Suns, like a little. You'll see later coming on. Of course, you know, in they do crazy shits too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so what do we got here? Oh, uh, relocation. Yeah, uh, relocation. It's because uh, I relocated to the Okanagan. Um, but relocation has actually been finished in a port style. Okay. Uh, Canadian port style wine barrel. Nice. Uh, which I'm we have access fan. to. We're in the yeah. wine country. So you'll see a little bit of a darker, richer color yeah. in that. Um, uh, yeah. Starts out next bourbon. Yeah. I kind of feel like this is going to be like a typical BC style. I don't think that most, I don't think whiskey distillers are going to open without doing like a wine barrel finished just because of the access. It's, it's easy. And it's tasty as hell. Yeah. I mean, we had some access um, and like we worked with Shelter Point on another project uh, as well with some barrel because we're just little, you know, we can, we, we take the scraps from the big guys. They're awesome. So we're fortunate, but we, we managed to get more port style barrels mm-hmm. than we needed. Yeah. So we 
swapped nice. the shelter points, so which is awesome. And Gordon got some as well. I hold them out in yeah. my little SUV at the Gordon's <laughs> place at Odd Society. So, uh, so relocation, and I think you know we take a look at the Scotch whiskey industry with port style uh, finished whiskeys and sherry. And now we see Amarone and Sauterne mm-hmm. and Bordeaux. I, I really think those are all just wine, yeah. really, and some of them fortified at a different stage. That's what we have in the Okanagan. Yeah, Man, we have a huge tons. wine region. Yeah. Like those wine barrels are being made into planters. Yeah. Mike Nicholson came out and was for a visit, and I brought him around at that time, and he's. You know, being the good Scottish guy he is, like it felt like he was going to have a heart attack whenever they said, "Oh, we've used this barrel for six years, and we're just going to use it as a rain barrel." Like, oh. you, know, you, you could see him like just oh twitching. God. Yeah, like the opportunity that we have there to use some of those good quality barrels is amazing. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to see a lot of wine finishes. Oh, because then I, I want to actually do a seminar. I don't, I'm not sure when, but I'd love to do a seminar on. De-romanticizing the nature of the uh, bourbon barrel mm-hmm. because I think I've talked to a couple of younger distillers here in, the, in BC and they like super romance because that's what we, we know like that's what we learn is that you got to put like your whiskey, your whiskey in a in a X bourbon barrel like that's yeah. how things are that's the way things have always been done but then I've talked to a couple of distillers the bigger guys like like Tyler and said like well what sort of barrels do you get and he's like well it depends on the broker depends on the season depends on who's buying and it wasn't until I did my CSS that I really started getting into American whiskey as a category mm-hmm because you start like everybody knows the bourbon rules like it has to be aged for this it gets put in the barrel of this but then you start looking at the American American whiskey rules and there's no rules like it's just the most yeah you can do four fill barrels and you can you have to put them in this in the barrel of this from this um, percentage to this percentage mm-hmm. and you can age it for this long or this long and so you have to question like depending on the broker how many times that ex bourbon barrel has been used after it was used for bourbon it's hard to find yeah. good quality wood now. Yeah, and so you get all these younger distillers. They go, oh, "I need to have an expert barrel." I was like, "Well, do you, do you need an expert barrel? Or do you, are you getting a seven day old tea bag that's been around the block like five times from all these subsidiary distilleries underneath Woodford Reserve and used so many times that by, by the time you get it, it's just like it's really not." We really have one of those barrels. We had some whiskey. Sitting, it's been sitting in for four years, and it's, it's just, just not. It's just not developing. Now yeah. it's, we've got to move it to another barrel. You know, it's just not developing. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'd love to do a seminar, sit down with a couple of whiskey, like hardcore BC whiskey distillers, and like actually chat about like demystifying how romance, how we romance the ex bourbon barrel, and figure out a way that you can sort of educate people on really what you should be looking for and how you should be looking for it because we don't have a Cooper in, in Canada anymore. I know. Well, actually, the Cooper that was was in Canada was in Oliver. No. He's he's still in Oliver. He trades barrel <laughs> repair. For whiskey, oh really? Distillery, yeah, yeah. He bought one of he bought into one of our barrels at the distillery. Oh really? Yeah. So he it's comes one, by. And it's does. one of those things. It's, it's very hipster to say like, oh, "I'd be cool to set up an, a, another like high end Cooper in in the Okanagan." But crazy. then you're like, "Do you can you make money from setting up like a?" And then you, you it really is a hipster thing because it's like, "Oh well, I've got a blacksmith, but it's a 22 year old kid who learned blacksmithing yeah, yeah, from yeah. YouTube videos." It is. It's hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're fortunate to have Cal like come and help us out. Yeah. And, and show me I think I think in I, I would say in about five ten years someone will have to open a cooperage. I think it'll Absolutely. I think it'll be worth it. Um, now it'll just be like helping people out. And again, like I talked to tons of people, I was like, BC distilleries don't have huge budgets. Like it's true. every every decision's calculated to the cent, and like there's not a lot of leeway. 
Because yeah. I've had people, I just talked to the wife about it this morning. I was like, I bet a lot of people go, oh, you must be like just killing it for BC Spirits. I'm like, yeah, I'm, it's busy. I'm like, well, how much, like, which podcast, which platform should I listen to your podcast so that you make money? I'm like, none. Like, <laughs> Did you actually think I made money from podcasts? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, like, just, don't you? I'm like, no, Canada doesn't do that. The U.S. does. You can do it in the U.S. We're not there yet. Yeah. We're, we will be one day. And I'm like, I'm not making money from BC Spirits. If anything, I'm 10 grand in the hole. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, well, you get the opportunity yeah, to my, try stuff. My, my passion project. Yeah. yeah. But you get this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody's, you know, um, yeah. So what's the, what's the next one? Oh, sorry. Um, so uh, Blood Moon. Um, speaking on the wine end of things, Blood Moon uh, was finished in a red wine barrel. Nice. Um, I'm in so, love with wine barrel finished whiskeys. Yeah. They're, they're just something special. Well, I take a look at, you know, Glen Morangi. Mm-hmm. They've done such a great job with some of their wine finishes. Even Aaron's done some. And Glen Morangi was one of those sneaky ones that got rid of their age statement. Yeah, they did. And nobody said anything, but then McAllen does it, and everybody's like, no, you can't do that. But Glimmerangi, yeah. like, sneakily, like, delisted all their age statements and then just brought out their finished products, and, like, everybody was fine. <laughs> I, I, say, I say it to the girlfriend all the time, to Jovia, is uh, it's about maturity, not age. Yeah. So I do not <laughs> act my age. She's way more mature than me. Um, so then um, Clan Armstrong is kind of unique. So you'll see that this maroon is mm-hmm. actually our, our uh, bottle strength series. Uh, blue is our distiller series. And green is kind of unique. You won't find this in the public. Okay. Um, this is our Cast Futures program. So uh, green signifies people who've purchased into okay. the of all the barrels so this is a full cast strength at 68 and where do the names come from everything some of them have a lot of hidden um, meanings I mean relocation some of the stuff that really ties in to to me or people that have purchased into uh, the barrel like Clan Armstrong mm-hmm. uh, good friend of mine his last name is Armstrong uh, Blood Moon you guys are really savvy on your research. I'll tell you who it is later on, but you'll be able to figure. I mean, it's not just about the color. Oh, I know um, where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that means yeah. something. So where the you know we obviously couldn't use the wine yeah. um, winery name yeah. and what we were doing. So we did some clever kind of rebranding, and the color and the name just fit with that. So you're going to see a lot of single barrel editions from us. Um, and every time you release one, everybody just goes batshit crazy for it. Dude, we can't. We have one bottle left at the distillery. Really? One. Uh, we have some more that we're going to be releasing in February. But, you know, some of the s- stuff that, uh, like, I don't even have a bottle anymore. Like, I was like, <laughs> oh, we'll keep, like, four bottles. And then somebody comes in. They're like, we really want that against all odds. And, and so, so you're, whiskey. you're a little bit of a drive out of the norm as well. <laughs> like, if someone gets to the distillery, yeah. like, it's been for a special, like, like it's your destination space. Like, your destination spot to get to the distillery. Because you, if you don't narrow out of bench, you're still, like, another, what, 45 minutes we're off that s- turn. Yeah, we're in the like, Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's we've been so fortunate to receive the response. Like we didn't even sell uh, online until early December. Oh wow! Because I didn't want to run out at the distillery. We do. I, I want to sell to liquor stores that have supported us like since day one. Places like Legacy that have an amazing craft selection. That I want to. Yeah. Get them some whiskey. Uh, a lot of the smaller shops, certainly in the Okanagan, but we just don't have it. Like, we can't run out at the distillery. Yeah. 
to, and it makes it seem really dramatic. Like, man, that guy has stuff in his pockets with money. He's making so much. We're not. I mean, we're just we started out smallly, increasing our production. So, um, and some stuff just gets said. You know, it's set mm-hmm. aside. So, what's longer. what's the paparazzi one? The paparazzi, yeah, there's there's kind of two whiskeys that are really sought after, which I do not have a bottle left of either one. Um, uh, paparazzi is 100% ex-bourbon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Clan Armstrong here actually has a little bit of uh, really old port-style whiskey. Actually, some of this is probably close to five years old when it was okay. in here. Um, four and a half, definitely. Uh, paparazzi is 100% ex-bourbon. 100% ex-bourbon has been really popular. Nice. Uh, things like paparazzi. Um, our other one, which is against all odds, which was a peated mm-hmm. barrel we finished in the Lefort quarter casks. Which I'm actually been impressed with... Um like Smoke Point, the Amaretto from Sons of Vancouver, the amount of flavor that an ex-peated whiskey barrel gives to the whiskey is is kind of nuts. Yeah. Like, it, it is a lot. Like, it's substantial. I think, yeah. It, it, and it really is in a short period of time. Yeah. I think, uh, Shelter Point, you can confirm with Jacob, I think they finished theirs for eight months in their barrel. We only did three. Like, oh, it wow. was like, after a month, I was like, wow. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Like, and peating your barley and going through that whole process is not the easiest. And we don't have it, DC and, peated barley. And and the, the most costly thing as well. But, like, you gain all that flavor profile, all that texture and everything from just a barrel is just insane. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So what's your plans for 2020? More whiskey. More whiskey? Yeah, we have some other projects on the go. Um, yeah, we have some other projects on the go. <laughs> I mean, we, we have some stuff. I mean, we've been working on stuff, and, and some things are kind of like seasonal, like seasonal ingredients. We do a batch. We experiment. Uh, needs a little bit of tweaking, but... We can't just make another batch that yeah. month. We have to wait till the next year because something can only be harvested within a mm. two-week time yeah. frame. So um, certainly whiskey is the focus. Whiskey has always been the focus. Have you put enough down? Like obviously you are and you're being very systematic in the way you release it at this end. Will you make it enough at the front, the back end to sort of keep we'll up? We'll never make enough. Okay. No BC distillery is going to make <laughs> enough whiskey. The, 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 no BC distillery. Yeah. We're all going to sell out. Yeah. Um, it's an amazing time. Like ten years from now, we're going to be at the, you know, just the whiskey, yeah. BC whiskey festival. Yeah, it's going to be amazing, and everybody's going to be selling out of their product. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward. I've tasted some stuff like Jason up at Sharon Hill was up there for the open house. I got to taste his bourbon style. Oh, I haven't tried it yet. He yeah. only has like seventy two bottles of because he put down one barrel as a test and that was it. And but because of the popularity of the gin, obviously, um, and the cap. Um, he hasn't been able to make anything else but gin. <laughs> so he's like, he wakes up in the morning, he like gets to the series, like, sweet, I'll be able to make some whiskey today. And then he gets the rap sheet and he's like, damn it, I'm not going to be making whiskey today. <laughs> we, we, the, the, we had the same thing. Yeah. We were putting whiskey in the bottle this year. Our gin was really popular this year. And it's like, man, when are we going to get back to the whiskey program? No. We're all kind of there. I mean, it's expensive to, if you, you know, I, I don't need to explain to you, but. You know, when you start out, you're, you got to pay for your bills and you have to pay for your equipment. And, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to make all this gin or all this vodka and I'm going to sell it. And I'm going to have so much money left over. I'm going to be making all this whiskey. <laughs> like, it's just not. A, it's just a terrible business plan. So, I mean, we we're fortunate. Things like our Cast Futures program. You know, if it wasn't for our investors that people bought into our barrels, like, 
you know, we've sold 70 plus barrels. Wow. People bought into, we don't advertise on our website. Yeah. We, we do word of mouth yeah. and people get to sample the product. I mean, we, I mean, it's crazy that people are willing to invest in the distillery by selling just a barrel portion. Yeah. Um, they have a vested interest in yeah. the success and the, the success of what we're doing. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have laid down as much whiskey. And without anything, it's not like you have a big prospectus meeting where you actually giving tastes of whiskey that you've already made and gone, this is what could be yours. Exactly. Like it's literally like, okay, Steely, you've just opened up. We're going to buy a portion of a barrel and hope that in five years time, it's good. That's an amazing thing to have. It, it, it's it's incredible. It's humbling. Oh. Like if people are willing to give you their hard earned money and say, yeah, you, you like to drink good whiskey. Hopefully you can make good money. And then just, <laughs> you're like, oh. so you, you want to talk about pressure? Like the pressure is intense. If, if, you know, people are relying on you, not the bank, yeah. you know, we but actual people, like face to face people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. And they're like, when, when's my barrel going to be, yeah. just, when am I, when am I get my barrel filled? And we were chatting off camera. You were like, uh, you were happy about your awards last night and gain the, the accolades you got at the Canadian whiskey awards last night. Um, but you were like, Oh, I still think I can make a better whiskey. Yeah. And, and I suppose that must be the same thing when you've, when you've tasted the barrel and you're like, Oh, this I like this. I, I think it could be better. And then you taste it with the person who owns the barrel and you're like, Oh, please like it. They like it. Yeah, 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 it's the same thing. And if people come in, they're like, this is amazing. And I was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's a huge pressure. Do you think you'll always keep pushing yourself to like, do you ever think you're going to make the perfect whiskey or is it always going to be like that whiskey's good? The next one's better. That whiskey's good. The next one's better. Our for goal. me, for life, that's what, like, yesterday was okay, today I'm going to be better today. Yeah, like, and, and I think you're all, as you're always 1% better. You're always yeah. trying to be 1% better every day. So we want to make the best whiskey in Canada, much like every other yeah. distillery does. You know, our drive is to make the best whiskey in Canada. I won't rest it, and it may take us five years. It may take us 25 years. We may never achieve it. Yeah. Um, second place always works harder. <laughs> so I'm okay with that. I think if if we make the best whiskey in Canada, like, it would be disappointing. <laughs> Because then you just hit it. Because then you hit it. And then where's the next goal? I think that's what uh, you, you and I have both talk, talked about Gary Vee. And Gary Vee always talks about buying the Jets. Right. And yeah, he's exactly. Like, and he's like, example. the day after I buy the Jets, I'm probably going to be miserable because yeah. I bought the Jets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's a good example. It'll be the same thing with us. With trying. Do you to think you're ever going to play around with other grains outside of, like, start like, sliding into bourbon and rye and that sort of thing? Or are you going to stick with the single malt and... Uh, that's certainly our focus, yeah. but there is one ton of barley sitting at the distillery, or one ton of rye nice. sitting at the distillery. Uh, malted rye. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, so it's something down the track. Yeah, it's something down the track. Yeah. Because I, I, I like the fact that I, my big thing with Canadian whiskey has always been, outside the macro guys, like the big guys, is always, I appreciate the single malts. I get it. I but I see the rules surrounding Canadian whiskey having so much more option to play around with just... Well, there's, there's rules. Like, what do you say about John Hall? Yeah. Like, there's traditions and rules, but doesn't mean you have to sort of live by them technically. You can do whatever you want. Well, and Ken with Divine, like Ancient Grains yeah. last night. Um, I mean, that's a fantastic whiskey. Like, we're, we're seeing some, some stuff that's grown in the Okanagan as yeah. well. There is some other grains. I want to be really good at something before we move to the next. That's fair. So that's why I haven't jumped in. I'm curious, actually, at some people's uh, 
opinions on ancient grains mainly because um, I love it. I think it's a fantastic whiskey. But it's always one of those if you when you blind taste it, you probably love it. But if you actually knew what it was, where it came from, how it was made, like on a table, like I've been at tastings. Um, I think it was uh, Fraser Valley last year. Mm-hmm. And I was at the table next to and drinking some of the Shelter Point, and every Scotch guy was just going mental about the cast strength from Shelter Point. And they're like, oh, I'm so glad you're making a cast strength single malt. And then Jacob's like, ah, uh, yeah, it's not cast strength single malt. There's a, <laughs> like a 50% unmalted rye in that cast strength. Yeah. And they're like, what? This is not cast strength single? He's like, no, sorry. And I always, it's just always one of those, like, I'm sure when you do Whiskey Fest, like, I only drink 18 year old single malts. That oh, sort of thing. Man. Like, that sort of mentality. I'm curious at how the dichotomy works with people who blind taste stuff like ancient grains and the weirdest stuff we're making here in BC mm-hmm. to what their opinion is when they actually know what they're tasting at a table and, like, looking at the bottle. Always very curious about it. <laughs> blind tasting. Yeah. That's absolutely the key. If it's good, it's good. Mm hmm. Well, thanks for sitting down with me, buddy. I really yeah, appreciate no it. Like, it was nice. It's going to be a good episode. I've got like freaking seven in the can already. That's oh, awesome. wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I brought some other stuff for you. Okay, let's have a look. Um, so this is our... Um, this is uh, batch number two. Oh, wow. So, I thought you'd put out way more than that. No. Yeah. yeah it's It was an experiment. Yeah. I didn't think it would turn out very well, actually. So that's why I didn't make a lot. I didn't like. I don't like really like oak gins, mm-hmm. but I like barrel aged gins. Yeah. So they're not unlike a whiskey. So the first um, batch one, which you had, mm-hmm. um, you got a sample of, was spent twenty two months in a Canadian whiskey barrel, previous okay. used Canadian whiskey barrel. This is a good example. This spent over two years in two separate bourbon barrels. Okay. Because that first bourbon barrel wasn't given the flavor that I wanted over a year that I expected. Uh, so I moved it into a second fresher barrel. So you got to try. We only sell that at the distillery right now, with the odd exception. Hold on, well, I'm going to tell you that. I'll have to show you that one off camera. So. Um, yeah, that was awesome. I'm looking forward to tasting through these and, and doing that. And I think, I, I think I've got the Navy Strength in the Fever Tree wheel, but I'll have to check. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really bold. That's for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for sitting down with me, bud. Yeah.